broadcasting from the campus of Lynn Benton Community College. We are the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm your host, Casey, and this, this is Closing the Gap. Hey listeners, welcome back. I hope you're all doing well and enjoying the new year so far. Today on the show, we have Demetria Webster, trained as an engineer and currently working in corporate social responsibility. Together, we will talk about how getting an engineering education can translate to many different types of career paths. So get cozy and enjoy the show. Hi, Demetria. Would you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. Hi. So I am from Seattle, Washington, and um, went to school at University of Washington, where I earned my engineering degrees and, um, yeah, stayed in the city, uh, worked for Boeing and um, the aerospace industry um, and moved to the East Coast and did some work out there as well, United Technologies. And um, I'm back on the West Coast now working at iCourse Systems. I was originally hired there as um, a new product introduction uh, project manager and became director of that group and decided to take a little bit of a, I guess, a slight detour and um, take on a role as the head of corporate social um, responsibility which is a really exciting opportunity for me. That's awesome. I would love to know more about corporate responsibility and like kind of what that means. Could you define the role for us? Sure, sure. So I lead i strategy on the environmental, social, and governance aspects of the business. Um, we are at the very beginning of our journey. It's really exciting. Um, so I have <clears throat> two cross-functional teams that work with me to one, develop the strategies, but then also execute. So we are working on our strategies for greenhouse gas uh, emission reductions, energy management, wastewater and waste management to diversity, equity and inclusion, employee engagement, community engagement, And then the governance piece as far as financial reporting and transparency and reporting. That's so vast. That's, that's covering way more topics than I would have even assumed, but it's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. It keeps me busy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it seems pretty clear why that's an important role, but I would love if you could maybe like talk to the listeners a little bit about why um, this is like such an important thing for Uh, corporations to have some sort of social responsibility? Sure. I mean, to start with the environment, I mean, it's, it's the right thing to do, right? To ensure that we are not continuing to contribute to the climate changes that we are experiencing and to implement initiatives to help control and protect our environment that's really important. It's just the right thing for us to do. From a a social perspective, so this is where I just get really excited because it's about corporate culture. 
and ensuring that our employees can bring their full authentic selves to work every day. Um, studies show that when employees do that, companies are more productive and maybe even more profitable. And I just love how these initiatives can also go into community engagement and supporting our local communities where our sites are located and where we operate. I think that there's some level of social obligation that companies have to give back to the communities where they are located and where they operate. So there's that. And then of course the engagement part with employee resource groups where employees who have um, commonalities, whether it's gender, whether it's race and ethnicity or military status, we have groups that will allow these employees with similar and common interests to come together. Sounds like having those kinds of resources really help the employees kind of gain a sense of self while being part of a, a team. Exactly, exactly. So how did you go from having like a, a education in material sciences and engineering to working with social responsibility? Yeah, so I get that question a lot. Um, it's It hasn't been directly from engineering to corporate social responsibility. So I, you know, skipped over a lot of steps in my careers I had summarized, but I started out as an engineer in material science and then um, hopped over to the operations side. So had supply chain, quality, and then program management. I had a lot of different roles. I've even managed a leadership development program at United Technologies for the operations function. So oh, wow. I've, I've done a lot. <laughs> um, when I joined i about three years ago now, I did go back to engineering and I led their the new product introduction group in the engineering function. So when I took this role in supplier, or excuse me, in corporate social responsibility, <laughs> I um, it was it wasn't a natural fit per se, but I'm just so passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion for starters. Being a diverse employee myself in uh, the STEM field in a STEM role and um, wanted to focus my efforts on diversifying the technical community with women and people of color. So that was the initial intent um, and motivation. And the environmental stuff is somewhat natural. It's a kind of a, a natural given to, to want to focus on that as well. But basically it was passion-based. This is something that I wanted to do. And I'm just so thankful that i <laughs> thought that I had the, the passion, the mindset, and the skill set to take it on. I mean, I feel like diversity, equity, inclusion in STEM is like something that seems to be really on the rise lately because it's not like a, I feel like when you think of STEM fields, you don't necessarily think of diversity, equity, inclusion first off. I think you, at least in my mind. I think of, you know, cis white males running everything and that being the majority of the of the workforce as well. So I think you're doing some like really important work and it's something that should be brought to light more because with more voices, like you can only, you know, get better. 
Absolutely. And yes, I mean, you know, the industry is uh, Caucasian, cisgender, male dominated, but as was, you know, semiconductor industry is that way, as well as the aerospace industry. Most STEM fields are that way, or industries are that way. But um, there are a lot of women who are not only in the ranks in STEM fields and in business in these in these STEM industries, but uh, also in leadership and um, taking over technical roles and people of color as well. They might not be as visible as one might think, but we are here. <laughs> we're here, we're talented, we're eager and motivated to be part of this industry. And sometimes it just takes a little more intentional focus to identify these candidates and expose them to the opportunities that are available. Totally. Yeah, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. That was really well put. I like that. I live uh, it. That's how I know it. Right on. Um, so like what what started you down this path? Like how did you uh, start on a, an educational path and a career path of, of science and engineering? Okay, this is going to sound really funny. <laughs> I was in high school and I wanted to be creative. Um, I wanted to do design work. Uh, my math teacher told I was told me I was good at math and science. And I thought, well, maybe I should try architecture or engineering. And so explored both fields and went to actually a minority science camp at the University of Washington. And the engineers there were doing experiments and just showing us all the cool applications that engineers can work in. I thought this is way more exciting than architecture. I'm going this (laughs) way. And so that's that's how it worked out. You know, it wasn't um, very analytical. It was very emotional, I must say. And, you know, getting into school and getting started, it was a challenge because, you know, those classes are hard. (laughs) But with the support of minority-based engineering support organizations at University of Washington, some of my colleagues are my friends to this very day, we stuck it out together and got through it. And we're now doing great things whether we're being technically called engineers now or not, we still are engineers at heart and want to continue to support programs like that. For sure, for sure. And something I also got out of what you said was that um, pursuing like an engineering education um, can lead to like a more vast range of opportunities for careers rather than just being um, an engineer. You know, it's like a good foundational kind of education. Yes. So I've, I've just been thankful to have that background. I think that my education has given me the ability to solve problems, identify problems and solve them. And that's a skill set that I think is extremely valuable in any role, in any function in corporate America or in your own business. I had noticed, and you had mentioned one of them earlier, that you worked for some big aerospace names. Like when you, especially when you like first got started, it seemed like I, I perused your LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> uh, but like Boeing and Pratt Whitney, 
what drew you specifically to the aerospace sector of engineering? Okay, this is going to be a simple answer as well. So Boeing was really in my backyard. I went to University of Washington. Boeing was at the time one of the well, the major employer in the area. And so naturally I went there. Um, I knew of other materials engineers who were working there. So I had a little bit of exposure before starting to look for that final placement out of um, undergrad. And so, yeah, just naturally went there. I joined um, what was called Boeing Materials Technology. I'm not sure what it's called now because it was quite some time ago. I won't tell my age, <laughs> but um, it was quite some time ago and um, had exposure to the composites technology. So that was really a, it would seem to be like a space age technology at the time, but is now incorporated into so many products at the Boeing company and other aerospace companies and in other industries as well, as we're trying to find lighter, stronger materials to work with. Fascinating. That's really cool. I was always been, I've always been um, fascinated with Boeing as well. Cause I'm, I'm also from Seattle and it oh. seems like, uh, I don't, every time you're driving down I-5, like heading towards like Tacoma, there's just like this huge hangar and sometimes they're like doing something cool outside and, um, Yeah. It always seems fascinating, especially when then you get on one, so you know, right across the country or something. But oh yeah, and then to walk through the factories. I mean, they literally have cars. The factories are so large that they have cars that transport materials and people from one side to the other. You know, it's um, amazing. And you know, if anyone has the opportunity to go and tour the facility in either Renton or Everett. I would highly recommend it. It is mind blowing. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Do they just give like tours? Like you can walk in and be like, hey, can I get a tour? I think so. I think that in Everett, I know for sure. Well, I shouldn't say for sure. I know that they used to offer tours in Everett. I hope that they still do because I think that that's a, again, a great opportunity to give people, kids, women, children, girls exposure to the industry and how planes come together, <laughs> how they're built. Yeah, there's um, I feel like there's like a really cool museum around here too. That's also like about the history of, of aerospace and planes and stuff like that. Um, I know yeah. there's a flight museum in Seattle. I'm not sure about the Portland area, but I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't something there too. Um, so it was, we kind of mentioned like like the dominance of like of um like white male culture in stem fields and um just being a person of color and woman that's like been in the industry for um we won't say how long because you want to keep your age <laughs> for a little well, it's while. Been about 25 years i'll put it that way about okay 25. <laughs> <laughs> Could you, would you be uh, comfortable talking a little bit about your experience, like, you know, um, starting in this industry and making it this far? Sure, sure. So, oh, I would say going into it, um, I had to build up my confidence and it might've been a little bit superficial. I kind of learned that fake it till you make it kind of a deal, not from a technical standpoint, but from a self-confidence standpoint. So 
I had to talk myself into being, you know, deserving to be there, deserving to have a role on a team, on a technical team, and having to give myself that reassurance just about every day. I mean, I don't know what my peers thought of me, but I thought that they thought that I was not competent. I'll put it that way. And so I just felt like I had to always prove myself. And I don't think they really asked for it. I won't say it was completely self-inflicted, but I always felt like I had to prove myself every day when I had a new role, um, when I moved to a different department, I constantly felt that need to prove myself, which then even sends a message that I wasn't good enough. And I didn't realize that at the time, looking back on it now, I, you know, I think that um, th those thoughts were, were motivational, but yet a little bit detrimental to my psyche and um, my mindset. So it was challenging. A lot of internal conflicts um, in my head. I had the support of friends and family, not all understood because they weren't the only Black female engineer in their group <laughs> and didn't really understand some of the, what we call now, micro-messaging and micro-inequities that I experienced. Um, I didn't know how to handle them. I didn't know who to talk to either. So it was challenging. I'm just going to be completely honest about that. I think that with time, I've been able to build that natural self-confidence and know when to confront, when to let it go <laughs> and move on. But at the same time, building that confidence that I, I know I'm competent and I know I deserve to be in the group, on the team. Totally. That does sound like it'd be really difficult to have to like throw yourself into. It, and it sounds like finding some community and, and building like a positive, like self-narrative to build confidence were some like strategies that you would use to get through that. Is there anything else that like you could recommend someone that would be going into a STEM field like this and maybe feeling a similar way to how you felt? Absolutely. Uh, like so I'll even start back in the collegiate days. Um, there are lots of organizations now that just like ERGs and corporations where there was Society of Women Engineers. Um, I was very active in the National Society of Black Engineers and even carried those affiliations into the workplace. So found alumni groups to join, to be part of. Uh, these organizations for that support. And then, as I mentioned, the employee resource groups. I didn't realize how valuable they were either until later, but it's so important, I think, for folks who feel like they're the only one, whatever it is, <laughs> um, to find others who might feel like they're the only one in their group or on their team, to have honest, candid, confidential conversations about experiences and sharing and um, exchanging information and helpful tips on how to work through some of those challenges or issues that they might be facing. For sure. I totally agree with that. 
I feel like sometimes uh, some of my my peers at work are what make me uh, <laughs> or, or not make me personally, I guess, but like just make it seem to make it easier to like get through the day, like having that support. Absolutely. I mean, we're at work more than we are anywhere else or like in a given day. It's good to have some allies uh, who sure. support you at work. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would really like to hear about some of the some of your accomplishments that you're most proud of over this like robust career that you've created for yourself? I couldn't, I can't think of anything in particular. Isn't that horrible? But I, I just, I guess I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to have experience in so many different functions throughout my career. I, I can truly say that I didn't let grass grow too long under my feet, but Having that exposure to, you know, of course, engineering, but the operations side of the business, just even a little bit of HR, you know, those roles have shaped me into who I am today. I think I have a better understanding of how business works because of the exposure. I uh, am proud that I can be a mentor to someone who's coming up behind me. I think that could be one of the proud, being a mentor, I think is a really proud accomplishment, knowing that someone actually trusts your opinion. Yeah, it's (laughs) Advice from you. I think that's an honor. (laughs) So um, yeah, I just, I think it's just being thankful that someone took a chance on me and thought that I could, you know, succeed. No, I agree. I appreciate all the chances that I've gotten in my career too. It's just like, I feel like you get opportunities to do things and I don't know about anybody else, but uh, it makes me feel like I want to work a little bit harder. Yeah, sure. And again, that goes back to the whole productivity and hopefully profitability of companies when you feel like you belong and you feel like you're accepted and you're respected, then yes, you're going to go the extra mile on that assignment and do a little more than what was asked of you. Um, and look at things a little bit more differently so that you can solve a problem or address the situation. Yeah, that's that's all part of the benefit of inclusion. Totally. Is there anything that you think that people that are in classrooms together or like coworkers can do for each other that could really promote some good social responsibility, just even like in a in a small workplace on like a you know small scale kind of thing? community projects uh, through, I would say through organizations, through community organizations, setting up um, projects. We're doing that now. That's one of the actions I have on my list as a a corporate social responsibility uh, head is um, partnering with local communities to do days of service, volunteering um, to give back. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one for sure Mm -hmm. Um, it builds it builds camaraderie you learn about your team you learn about your colleagues outside of work working on something really um important and meaningful and um it's it, it makes you feel good and again connects you to your team definitely definitely do you have any uh words of wisdom for young people that are starting down a a career path in STEM? I do. So this probably applies to any field that someone could, you know, go into. And that would be to just take risks. 
don't be afraid to say yes <laughs> when someone presents an opportunity like I think that's basically my story um an opportunity presented itself and I went for it may not have always had all the qualifications that were were needed to fill the role but I went for it anyway and I would encourage young women young people of color young people in general to take risks uh you just never know when you might find a company or a role or a function that you really like and you just want to continue to prosper in that direction. For sure. That's, that's some great advice. Um, and I, what do you think that we could do like on a community level or um, as educators, as, as families, with students uh, to kind of inspire young people to pursue these careers more? It goes back to how I was exposed to engineering. Um, having field trips uh, in elementary and middle schools to some of these corporations where they can, like Boeing, for example, not to uh, advertise that company. Uh, I work for a different company now, but you know, seeing seeing engineering in action. I'll say it that way being exposed to STEM roles in action early on, I think will really help encourage young people to consider STEM roles. We have to also change it and not tell young children that they're bad at math. That also can deter uh, interest. And I, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. But I think most importantly, the exposure is important. And then also seeing women, seeing people of color in these roles, in leadership roles in STEM or STEM industries is also important. We can, I guess, uh, clarify the vision and the dream when we can see people who are where we want to be. It's mm -hmm. really challenging to even imagine that it's even possible to take on the vice president or president of engineering at a technical company if you don't, if you haven't seen someone who looks like you or me working there and in that role. So we need to see more women, more people of color in leadership roles who can expose these opportunities to younger people. Yes. That would be it. I second that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the questions I have for you today, Dimitri. I really appreciate your time coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. And I just hope that I've inspired someone. That's really my intent. And um, I'm honored to be asked to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Closing the Gap. If you like this show, subscribe on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at MVSTEMCTE, on Twitter at MidValleySTEM, and online at MidValleySTEM.org. Until next time, keep progressing. Keep progressing.